yesterday we saw the Day of Atonement, the various procedures that God gave for the atoning of both the high priest, his family, and the congregation of Israel. And we will once again have a couple of chapters that we will skip. But for now, we will go to the next one, which is chapter 17, Leviticus chapter 17. And someone with a good connection, clear connection, please read it loudly and slowly and clearly. Leviticus 17. Praise the Lord, Pastor. Um, Leviticus chapter 17, New King James Version. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron, to his sons, and to tell all children of Israel, and say to them, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded, saying, Whatever man of the house of Israel who kills an oxen ox or a, lamb, or a lamb or goat in the camp or kills it outside the camp and does not bring it to the door of the tabernacle of meeting to offer an offering to the Lord before the tabernacle of the Lord, the guilt of bloodshed shall be input, shall be inputted to that man. He shall shed blood and that and that man shall be cut off from along his people to the end of the children I'm sorry to the end that the children of Israel may bring their sacrifices which they offer in the open field that they may bring them to the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting to the priests and offer them as peace offering to the Lord and the priest shall sprinkle the blood on the altar of the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting and burning the fat for sweet aroma to the Lord. They shall no more offer their sacrifice to demons after whom they have played the harlot. They shall be a saddest forever for them Throughout their generation, also, you shall say to them, whatever man of the house of Israel, or of the stranger's house, or of the stranger who dwell among you, who offer a burnt offering or sacrifice, and does not bring it to the door of the tabernacle of meeting to offer it to the Lord, that man shall be cut off from from among his people. And whatever man of the house of Israel or of the strangers who dwell among you who eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For for it is the blood that makes atonement for the souls. Therefore, I say to the children of Israel, no one among you shall eat blood, nor shall any stranger who dwells among you eat blood. Who, whatever man of the children of Israel 
or of the strangers who dwells among you, who hunts, who hunts the catches any animal or bird that may be eaten, he shall pour out he shall pour out its blood and cover it with dust, for it is the life of the all flesh. Its blood sustains its life. Therefore, I said to the children of Israel, you shall not eat the blood of any flesh, for the life of all flesh is the blood. Whoever eats it shall be cut off, and every person who eats what and every person who eat what died naturally or eat or what was torn by beast, whether he or a native of your own country or a stranger, stranger, he shall both wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Then he shall clean then he shall be clean. But if he does not wash them wash them or bathe his body then he shall be his guilt. One of the main things here in this chapter is a prohibition given to Israel not to eat blood. Let's hear the chapter again now in the New Living Translation. Someone else please read it in the New Living Translation so we can get a clearer understanding of it. Praise God, Pastor. Am I audible? Yes, Michelle. Praise God. Leviticus chapter 17, New Living Translation. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to Aaron and his sons and all the people of Israel. This is what the Lord has commanded. If any native Israelite sacrifices a bull, or a lamb, or a goat, anywhere inside or outside the camp, instead of bringing it to the entrance of the tabernacle to present it as an offering to the Lord, that person will be as guilty as murderer. Such a person has shed blood and will be cut off from the community. The purpose of this rule is to stop the Israelites from sacrificing animals in the open fields. It will ensure that they bring their sacrifices to the priest at the entrance of the tabernacle so he can present them to the Lord as peace offerings. Then the priest will be able to splatter the blood against the Lord's altar at the entrance of the tabernacle and he will burn the fat as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The people must no longer be unfaithful to the Lord by offering sacrifices to the goat idols. This is a permanent law for them to be observed from generation to generation. Give them this command as well. If any native Israelite or foreigner living among you offers a burnt offering or a sacrifice, but does not bring it to the entrance of the tabernacle to offer it to the Lord, that person will be cut off from the community. And if any native Israelite or foreigner living among you eats or drinks blood in any form, 
I will turn against that person and cut him off from the community of your people. For the life of the body is in its blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in the exchange for a life that makes purification possible. That is why I have said to the people of Israel, you must never eat or drink blood, neither you nor the foreigners living among you. And if any native Israelite or foreigner living among you goes hunting and kills an animal or bird that is approved for eating, he must drain its blood and cover it with earth. The life of every creature is in its blood. That is why I have said to the people of Israel, you must never eat or drink blood for the life of any creature is in its blood. So whoever consumes blood will be cut off from the community. And if any native-born Israelites or foreigners eat the meat of an animal that died naturally or was torn up by wild animals, they must wash their clothes and bathe themselves in water. They will remain ceremonially unclean until evening, but then they will be clean. But if they do not wash their clothes and bathe themselves, they will be punished for their sin. Praise God. Praise God. The issue of blood, God actually told Noah in Genesis 9 verse 4 that he and his family his people should never eat any meat that still has the lifeblood in it. You see a precedent in a commandment given to Noah way before the law. Then we see the specific instruction for this nation, this brand new nation. God says, don't eat the blood. And then we see also in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 15, when the question came up, what should the Gentiles do? We're coming into the faith that was given first to the Jews. Jesus said, I came to the house of Israel. I was sent to the house of Israel. Now these people have nothing to do with the Jewish people. The Jewish people were separate. And yet the Messiah was a Jew and he came into the Jewish line in Israel and he fulfilled the law. Now these people who are around Israel were all pagans. They were worshipping idols. And they had certain practices in their pagan demonic religions which included drinking blood eating blood, immorality, all these things tied up 
with their religious observances and their practice, as we'll see. We're not going to read the next chapter together, as we skipped another chapter already. Because certain things are quite graphic and yet straightforward, and we can read that on our own. But the next chapter, then another chapter down the line, we'll discuss some very abominable practices that these nations around Israel engaged in. And that's why God gave these laws. It wasn't that God found people in Israel doing these things. Detestable things with animals, immoral things, impure things, unclean things, just horrific, demonic things. Absolute perversion and destruction of not only the dignity of the human being, but the bodies. So God made specific laws. He spoke about homosexuality. He spoke about uncleanness in regular uh, lawful sexual relations. What time to do what and what not to do as per the basic hygiene. And In other words, when you read it, you may wonder why all of this. It's shocking almost, especially the abominable, abominable things concerning homosexuality and uh, incest. So much written about it. And then immoral acts with animals. We think this is unthinkable. How? Why would this come here? You know why? Because God said expressly, as you read those chapters, including the next one on your own, that this is why he was angry with the pagan nations. Obviously, they did all kinds of things. God was saying, you're a holy people. Even though he didn't find anything, they just came out from Egypt. It's just been about a year. and They've seen quite a number of things and Although in the incident of the golden calf, the idolatry, there was immorality there. But these things are going even further with the detestable, abominable, horrible practices. Total, despicable inventions of wicked hearts. Demon possessed people. Demons are there to inspire people to be immoral. There are evil spirits that get into people. They begin to manipulate the people because the people open the door. And before long, we think, how low can humanity go? It can go as low, according to Leviticus, as being abominable in action, even with animals. These things are occurring not in Israel, but around them. God says, don't you do that. He said, this is why I'm angry with those people. That's why I punish them. Total perversion. But even heterosexual immorality, the desires, the unlawful use of one's body, unlawful desires, these thoughts that are clever inventions and then the devil brings a certain lingo slang words and profane words and pretty soon it becomes 
interesting and humorous even. And the entire act that was supposed to be sacred within the bonds of marriage becomes something of a challenge and a hobby and an adventure and a total defilement of the person, disintegrate their entire sensibility as human beings, and they become worse than an animal. What does that produce? It produces death and destruction, and the next generation has a curse down the line. And what is wrong in the sight of holy God seems to be so right. As people have said in lyrics and in their conversations, how could something that feels so right be so wrong? Because the feeling is produced by demons that, are, that have gotten into human beings. But the word of God comes and shows us this is absolutely filthy, abominable, self-destructive, and destructive to everyone else. It's a total forfeiture of all that is good. So God warned them, don't imitate the people who are in the very land that I'm going to take you into. I'm going to kick them out because of what they did. You do the same thing, the land will vomit you out also. Oh, what a warning. Imagine if young people today heard this warning. They actually read this. They were taught it. Imagine if young adults heard this. Imagine if adults, middle-aged men and women, seniors, because the perversion that comes from Satan is equal opportunity. There's no discrimination with him. When it comes to his desire to steal, kill, and destroy all of that godly image that God put in a human being, he will go to older people who are absolutely perverted. They may look like the sweetest grandmother, sweetest grandfather. I walked into a public library a few years ago to do some research and part of the studies, graduate studies. and I saw these ladies with white hair. They seemed to be dressed very decently. These librarians and reference librarians and seemed to be very polite and very professional. Then I heard the conversation between them when they weren't interacting with the, the visitors, the patrons. Filthy, arrogant, wicked. I was thinking, no wonder. People like these, they can kill babies. They can have a callous heart when they see people dying. Just the outward appearance is different from what's on the inside. You can never, ever judge a person by how they appear on the outside. Because as Mary Magdalene had seven devils, they may have that or more, even legion. If this is a plain truth and fact. However, it's not meant to make us paranoid, judgmental, cynical, but to be alert. Because many false spirits are out in the world 
many demonic, sensual spirits, evil spirits, perverted spirits, murderous spirits. The first order of business for every human being, especially one who claims to be a Christian, is to utterly despise and detest, not just in word or in theory, but from the very core of their being. Not only these absolutely perverted, abominable practices concerning animals and human beings. But to have that sensitivity and sensibility that any act of using my body to gain pleasure that is reserved for a holy marriage between a man and a woman should be disgusting to the believer. It's a default provided the believer is walking according to their genuine position and transformation on the inside by the act of regeneration from God, Spirit. But if we opt to go after the delights of sensuality and pleasures and open the door to even look at what other people are doing, what they're saying, and say, oh no, not me, just by virtue of exposing oneself to what others are doing will cause the demons to become very interested in you. They will do everything they can now to get into you. The human heart and human mind is very fragile apart from the bedrock of trusting and obeying God's word. It's open season, open game for the devil. For anyone and everyone, as I said, equal opportunity, no discrimination. You go to the most celebrated person in society, the most erudite person, scholarly person, the most accomplished the billionaire. You go to the person on the street, he'll just go as if it were with a machine gun of hell and spray everybody to destroy. What does he do? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We need to be so separated from the evil that's in this world. Perhaps the very evil that we were once part of in those categories given by the Apostle, by the Spirit, including immorality, extortion, murder, theft, all kinds of evil. But now there's an antagonism against that. The very thought of it is disgusting. That's what will happen to a holy person. In Leviticus, God says, I'm calling you to be different from every other nation, not just one or two other people around the corner. You have I chosen above all the peoples of the earth to be my special treasure. How beautiful that is, that we are so special to God. He's given us holy garments. He's made us a kingdom, not of Levitical priests, but a kingdom of born-again, transformed from the inside out, citizens of heaven who are here for a visit now. Pilgrims. This is not our home. 
We're in the world, but not of it. Because when we became born again, the birth happened from heaven. All of a sudden, we became people from above. And like the Lord Jesus came into this polluted world, full of corruption. So now we are re-entering the world after being born again. With not just another outlook, a different outlook, but absolutely heavenly, holy sensibilities. The whole perception is different. The appetite is different. And how does one who is a Christian become carnal, worse than an animal, living 24-7, lusting after evil things? How does that happen to a believer? It's when the believer opens the door to Satan one more time. And he comes and takes over. And they're living a hypocritical life contrary to the very position they've been given by God to the very new man created on the inside. So the exhortation and the warnings are given repeatedly. Know who you are. You're different. You belong to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You're a prince and a princess of the Most High God. And if the devil should be given the latitude to bring about images and possibilities and stories, hearsay, about practices that are abhorrent to God and foreign to our new nature, and if by virtue of our flesh certain reactions come within our bodies, we're not willing it, but the devil will try to match one with one. The external stimuli that he brings, the internal corruption that seeks to dominate. But you know what? God says by the Holy Spirit, you can put it to death on the spot. So you don't have to struggle. Hallelujah. Any of that. You can overcome the devil on his own turf. Not by venturing into his turf, but when he brings his stuff, around you. You can defeat him. Hallelujah. Through the blood of the Lamb, the Word of God, and through our righteous testimony, a position God has given us. Now this chapter here, along with the pagan immoral practices connected with their religion, very religion is so satanic that it involves immorality and killing babies. What kind of religion is that? Obviously satanic. What kind of religion would have people commit homosexual acts as part of it? The perverted version from the devil everything God gives he corrupts he makes his own version what kind of people will drink blood today we're used to hearing about so called vampires and Halloween coming around here went to buy some groceries 
couple of weeks ago. And I had to get the shopping cart from outside the grocery store because somebody left it there. I couldn't find the other carts. And as I went there, there's a pizzeria there. And on the window of the pizzeria, there's a doll, a crazy-looking doll, a boy doll. And he's holding a knife with blood stains on it, blood drops. Why not? It's Halloween. It's all fun, gory stuff, and it's uh, thrilling, and it's daring. It's knife, blood. Let it come to your own home. See if it's fun. Let someone commit suicide. Let someone murder mother or father or child or spouse. See how fun it is now. Wicked, demonic, perverted people. No wonder God said. We've all gone astray. What happened? Grown-ups? Perhaps some delinquent juvenile that's practicing demonic things and just off the deep end, uh, bad situation, going worse. No one loves that boy or girl and starts going into the dark areas and left alone in devil's workshop. But adults with businesses, people with suits and ties, managers, and it's not just a strange celebration of death, but they're active devils within the people that look so refined who say, oh, another one with a knife and blood. Oh, I'm not into that stuff. No, it's much more than that. Satan is behind that. He's looking to manifest that to destroy people. It's not light things. How many Christians are there that are even past feeling because they don't have the understanding that Satan has gotten into that pizza shop owner or whoever put that there. Satan himself has entered and persuaded them, put this up, it'll be fun. And because of that open door, he can actually facilitate murder or suicide that much easier. So sin comes along as something not pagan, but popular, with pleasure. God says all of this is abominable. You should absolutely hate it because it's from Satan. Among these things, God said about the blood. In the book of Acts, it's written, while even in that culture, just like in the time of Leviticus, the pagans had sexual immorality, they had foods offered to idols, and they were eating meat and strangled animals, and they consumed blood. Now, the Lord explained very straightforwardly in Leviticus, as we heard read twice, God said, this is why I told you not to eat blood. The life of the creature is in the blood. And if the life of the creature is in the blood and it is sacrificed to God, there's a meaning behind it. God says, don't touch that. 
as you mentioned about the dietary laws, someone can say, well, it's not hygienic to drink blood. That's not the primary reason here. Once again, we ought to recognize when God commands things, we may not understand all of it. And people may conjecture, they may hypothesize, they may surmise without evidence. He could have meant this or that. But first, let's start with what the Lord himself said. He said, I told you to do it because this is that and that's that. Don't touch that. This is unclean, that's clean. That should be enough. But we also know the wisdom of God can give further revelation on certain things. But the primary reason is within the context. And even if we don't understand all of it, we know God is perfect. Yes, He is. It's not simply a, a, a theoretical construct, a philosophical idea that this is the way we have to begin in order for this to work. No, no, no. The fact is God is perfect. Whether we believe it or not, whether we can understand His ways or not, He happens to be perfect. That's who He is. And He loves His creation. And He loves His people. He'll never tell His people to do something that will harm them because He's a good Father. He loves us. And that trust factor in the character of God and His revelation of Himself will cause us to implicitly obey. And you know what the result is? Blessing upon blessing. An expansion, ever-expanding horizon of our prosperity at every level, both for time and eternity. How glorious. Now, in the book of Acts, centuries later, you see this come up again. And although there may be people who say, well, not under the law, and the reason they gave that was for a basic kind of startup into this Jewish Christian faith, Christianity out of Judaism and influenced by Judaism. And there's a basic uh, confusion there about what part of the law should we keep and how do we identify ourselves as Christians and or followers of the Messiah, or they came from pagan society. But no matter what, the Lord said the blood back in Noah's time, during Leviticus, or the Israeli theocracy turned monarchy later. So the life is in the blood. I've given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. Don't touch that. And you see demonic practices associated with drinking blood. We're different. Now, in some cultures, they may have great desire for blood pudding and all kinds of dishes with blood. There are people who say, well, everything's clean to us. We're not under the law. And isn't it said that everything, if you eat it with prayer and with the word, it gets sanctified? 
Certain things are intuitively and intrinsically discernible, especially after God spoke about it at length. And when you have the meat to eat, and when pagans and demonic religious rites are associated with this blood drinking and eating, I don't see or God would say as long as you pray and have the word the blood you're going to drink from an animal is fine the blood you're going to eat speaking of the various animals that were once separated into categories of clean and unclean especially here in the book of Acts, at least three times, the mentioning of this very thing about eating meat of strangled animals and from consuming blood, along with eating food offered to idols and abstinence from sexual immorality. That's what was happening there. The Apostle Paul later says that it's not going to bother me. No demon is bigger than Jesus, basically, he's saying it's not going to affect me. If I have to eat it, I'm going to eat it. But for the conscience of the brother that's weak, that is, they, they see it as an offense. I don't want to offend them, so I won't. It's not that Paul says it's okay to go looking for the meat that's sacrificed to idols because it tastes good or cheap. He says if you're in a situation where this is what's offered to you, this is what's there, you have the Christian liberty choose to eat it or not and especially when it comes to your brother's conscience if they're offended by it he said I'm not going to eat it at all the law of love but when it comes to blood Jesus' blood was shed to make atonement for us the life of the flesh is in the blood. When we say he shed his blood, we're saying he gave his life because a life is in the blood. Take the blood away, no life. Now, if someone is a missionary or they go to a house, they don't know that that dish has a lot of blood in it whatever special delicacy or cultural cuisine they have food that has a lot of blood maybe they eat something that they think is pudding made by flour with flour or some other thing it turns out to be blood and they've eaten it there's no judgment there They didn't do it purposefully. And what about the amount of blood? Perhaps there's a few drops. Perhaps the dish calls for a little bit. And Where do you divide? Or where do you set the standard? How do, how do you set the standard? Although I've seen many people say to the contrary that you can do it. You can eat blood and you can have dishes with blood 
reading what God says about these things and why, I don't see it justifiable to knowingly, volitionally drink or eat blood. Some things interpreted in light of further revelation within the scriptures later on. Interpreted in today's society and in the context of Christian liberty. How we apply the various scriptures is very important to the conclusion we reach, we need to be guided by the Holy Spirit. For the reasons mentioned, it's clear to me that a pagan practice that would touch that blood, that's the life of the flesh, that the Lord specifically prohibited at least on three different occasions over the last Four thousand plus years, including the New Testament. The very concept of what blood represents spiritually and physically, and the pagan association with it seems very strange to me that someone would pursue that to make dishes with blood and eat blood and drink blood. Anything we're not clear on, even if someone should give a commentary on it, we ought to be like the Bereans, especially when we don't have explicit statements or the clarification we need and there seems to be a division and interpretation as long as we're sincere and we seek God God will reveal that which pertains to us and if we're not sure about something the Bible says whatsoever is not a faith is sin it's better not to do it not participate in it as a general rule, I'm not speaking of this regarding this blood drinking or blood eating. And once again, the cautions are given about purity. About bathing oneself. Lots of bathing going on here. Not for the purposes of personal hygiene and pleasure to relax one's muscles or feel better but for ritual cleansing how many times have we read so far in Leviticus about the cleansing required by the blood and bathing with water sacrifices and we have it so easy so easy so easy today but we must never lose the seriousness that the Israelites were expected to have. That doesn't change. God is the same holy God. Because we have it easy, 
we must be even more grateful and show that gratefulness by careful obedience to be undefiled every day and have that utter hatred and disgust toward everything that God hates and he's disgusted with. Because he said, I abhor those people who do these very things I'm telling you not to do. So don't participate in that. We're going to skip chapter 18. You can read that on your own for reasons mentioned before. And let's now go to the next chapter. Chapter 19. And we will conclude today with chapter 19. And we will also skip chapter 20. Chapters 18 and 20, you can read on your own. We don't need to read it together here. Very straightforward. Someone please read Leviticus chapter 19, speaking again about holiness, but one's behavior which applies to us. Praise God. The chapter 37 verses. Um, whoever's going to read first, please read 1 through 18, and then the next person, 19 to 37, please. Praise God, Pastor. Praise God. Leviticus chapter 19, from verse 1 to 18, NKGV version. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, are holy, am holy. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols, nor make for yourself molded gods. I am the Lord your God. And if you offer a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord, you shall offer it of your own free will. It shall be eaten the same day you offer it. And on the next day, and if any remains until the third day, it shall be burnt in the fire. And if it is eaten at all on the third day, it is an abomination. It shall not be accepted. Therefore, everyone who eats, it shall bear his iniquity because he has profaned and the hallowed offering of the Lord and that person shall be cut off from his people. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. And you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal, nor deal falsely, nor lie to one another. And you shall not swear by my name falsely, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not cheat your neighbor, nor rob him. The wages of him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until morning. You shall not curse the deaf nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but shall fear your God, I am the Lord. You shall do not in you you shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor 
honor the person of the mighty in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor you shall not go about as a talebearer among your people nor nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor i am the lord you shall not hate your brother in your heart you shall surely rebuke, rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people but you shall love your neighbor as yourself i am the lord praise god praise the lord praise god before we hear this again in the new living translation sometimes it's easier to follow one last thing about the previous chapter we read 17 we see that the lord told the israelites where to present the sacrifice obviously because people would take matters into their own hands and like they did with the manna we read about that earlier some time ago when god says don't go out looking for manna on the sabbath day people went out he told them don't leave this to the next day and they found it with worms there are people who no matter what god says they'll always try to do it their way and they end up being destroyed they end up losing and so god so graciously says before the devil can come and tempt people to tamper with god's law and do it their way and modify it god says don't do that don't do it your way this is what i told you you have to do it specifically the way i tell you to why because he's almighty god he knows what is going to bring life as again it's worth mentioning we don't know everything even within reading the scriptures there's so much revelation the holy spirit can give every time we read it can get deeper and deeper and wider and wider our knowledge of our god and his ways but we must trust him and if he says you have to bring it to the door of the tent of meeting or the tabernacle you don't take the sacrifice anywhere else if he says this is the way you have to do it that's exactly the way we have to do it because he's god and notice how when he gives these commandments when he gives these prohibitions he says i am the lord he finishes up with that what does that mean he says no who's telling you to do this and know the consequence of disobedience because god is a god as he revealed to moses though he's gracious and compassionate he will not hold the guiltless or the guilty guiltless he says those who continue to persist in rebelling against god god says i will punish and i'll pass that punishment down the line to the generation but anyone in the generation can opt to get free of that curse by turning to the lord but it's the principle of the seed just like adam and eve were the descendants we inherited and yet we have a choice to appeal to god and say lord i don't want to be like my ancestors oh god they were idolatrous they were evil they thought they were good enough to achieve something in life and the afterlife and whatever 
any system believes, any religious system or tradition. In some countries, there's ancestor worship. They worship their own ancestors. All kinds of demonic things. God says, every person is flawed. Nobody's perfect. They can come to God and claim perfection. But it takes the blood of the sinless, perfect person, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to wash me and to wash you, to make us perfect. So we need to understand again and again, as the Lord emphasizes, to have that heart to say, Lord, what did you say? Lord, what did you exactly say? And to go to Him and seek as much clarification as necessary so that we end up doing His will. And that's all that matters. Because the Bible says in First John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, after describing the way people live, whether they're religious or not, whatever nationality, people live for the lust of the flesh, the lust or the desires of their eyes, and the pride of life. How much do I have in the bank? What kind of job do I have? Do I have a job? And what kind of job? What's my status? And the biggest thing for people a lot of times is what will the neighbors think? What will my family think? It's a people-pleasing mechanism that people are in bondage to. And when it comes to mother and father, as we read, we have to honor father and mother. And God has given parents, provided they are sensible and good, to guide the children in the right way. But even the child of human parents comes to the point to recognize that as good as my mom or dad might be, apart from God, the source of wisdom, they cannot help me. And the child starts to worship God as God, not the parents. Hallelujah. Jesus is the first cause. He's the reason I was created in my mother's womb and he's the reason I can be recreated, reborn or born again by believing in his shed blood to wash away my sins and give me a brand new person on the inside, brand new heart. But people are meant to live for God. And that's why God created people. To have fellowship with Him. To know Him. Because He's the source of all light. All goodness. And all that is right. Let's read this again. The same 18 verses in Leviticus 19. In the New Living Translation. And we'll continue with the New Living Translation for the rest of the chapter. Someone else, please read that. Leviticus 19, verse 1 to 18, New Living Translation. The Lord said to Moses, 
give the following instructions to the entire community of Israel. You must be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Each of you must show great respect for your mother and father, and you must all you must always observe my Sabbath, days of rest. I'm the Lord your God. Let me let me just you, yes. my apologies. No. It says honor, basically honor your father and mother. The fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments. And here in the New Living Translation, it says each of you must show great respect for your mother and father. Now it's obvious that if a mother and father teaches the child to smoke or says now you're old enough you can drink obviously at that point the child must disrespect the father and mother not by calling them names or cursing them but by disobeying them because that is not in accordance with goodness and truth from God's law if a mother and father should say I want you, in fact, God mentions this later on. He says, anyone in your community, in the congregation, in the people, in the nation of Israel, if one of you says to his neighbor or his brother, let's go worship the moon and sun, God says, not only don't follow that, that person will be cut off. Why? Because they're introducing Satan's religion. What sense does it make to create or to worship something that's created? How can I worship creation? Because itself, creation itself, didn't have the power to create itself. Someone else had to do it. It only makes sense to go to the source. And this is what the Lord says in the book of Romans, in the New Testament, in chapter 1, they chose to worship the creation or the creature more than the creator. They actually made a choice to worship one and not the other, I should say. But we can get caught up in the philosophy of the world and clever words and beautiful drama and poetry and prose and tradition for centuries and just blindly settle into it. But before the Lord, every human being is responsible to the revelation God gives. Now we can choose to close our eyes to it, close our ears, stop our ears and say, I don't want to hear it. I'm going to go with what mom and dad said. If mom and dad would say, you know, we have a long tradition of not washing our hands at all for days and it's the way it's been the child comes of age to understand you know that's not hygienic at all and there's no reason not to wash hands when there's water available and that's a counter-cultural counter-intuitive as, long, as far as the parents and the others may think but the child has light now the child could choose at that point even though I know now that disease can be spread through this and we had so much trouble with this but nobody bothered to find out why and change anything because they thought this is the way it is and nobody questions the authority. That child is going to cause a revolution of sorts but it may very well save people 
in his or her own clan, tribe, generation from premature death or diseases. Now, if we can understand that concept, how much more is it vital for every human being when your spiritual eternal destination is concerned, where you will live forever, either in heaven or hell, no in-between state at all, according to the Word of God. I need to find out what is right, what is true, and regardless of what anyone says, I am responsible for my soul before the living God, according to His revelation. And so I will not live to please people when it contradicts and counters what God has told me to do to please Him. Please continue, brother. Yes, God. Do not put your trust in idols or make metal images of gods for yourself. I am the Lord, your God. When you sacrifice a peace offering to the Lord, offer it properly, so you will be accepted by God. The sacrifice must be eaten on the same day you offer it or on the next day. Whatever is left over until the third day must be completely burned up. If any of the sacrifice is eaten on the third day, it will be contaminated. I will not accept it. Anyone who eats it on the third day will be punished for defiling what is holy to the Lord and will be cut off from the community. When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields. Do not pick up what the harvesters drop. It is the same with your grape crop. Do not strip every last bu bunch of grapes from the vine. And do not pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Leave them for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. Do not steal. Do not deceive or cheat one another. Do not bring shame on the name of your God by using it to swear falsely. I am the Lord. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not make a hired worker wait until the next day to receive their pay. Do not insult the deaf or cause the blind to stumble. You must fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not twist justice in legal matters by favoring the poor or being partial to the rich and powerful. Always judge people fairly. Do not spread slanderous gossip among your people. Do not stand idly by when your neighbor's life is threatened. I am the Lord. Do not nurse hatred in your heart for any of your relatives. Confront people directly so you will not be held guilty for their sins. Do not seek revenge or bear grudges against a fellow Israelite. But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Someone else please read the rest of the chapter. Let's actually stop right here. You can read the rest of it for yourselves. But um, what I want to point out as we close this morning is 
once again the strict regulations and we're used to understanding this in the society in which we live if you go to a government office have some legal matters or some things you have to take care of if they say we'll accept this but not this how many people stand there arguing with the authorities at the place where they need to get some kind of benefit and say but I don't want to do it that way they say to apply for this you need to bring a, a photo of this size to fix to your application how many people say well I want to bring a three-foot poster of myself or no photo you need to sign here and here I'm only going to sign once we're not going to accept it if you don't sign in both places I don't care you think that person is just deluded when it comes to the Lord he's not just any authority is the ultimate authority and the other thing I want to point out is I mean just reading this law these regulations a lot of times it cuts to the heart just reading this he's talking about robbery talking about standing idle while your neighbor gets hurt these are things that people do conveniently just look the other way pretend and then cover up with a lie while the conscience is being destroyed by the person rather be tender-hearted and have a soft tender conscience to always do the right thing and what about if I don't cheat here as we heard somebody I believe mentioned the life training school cheating on the taxes or something in such a situation I'm going to have a loss this is something new God is saying do the right thing always no matter how new it may be in your life no matter how drastically different the consequences may be temporarily or in this material world do the right thing because God will come and support you and take care of you when you do it his way hallelujah see the heart of God the heart of love also he says leave your grain a certain amount of your crops why and he'll say this again and again in the law he says because you have poor people and foreigners they need to eat too I want you to leave it purpose purposely on purpose for them it's not their field he's telling them you need to live together in love to so the concept of holiness because God keeps saying I'm the Lord and he says I'm holy you be holy involves love holiness is not something when you look at it biblically defined oh there's a holy man or there's a holy woman and they're some kind of elite class like the Confucian scholars of old or in any other nationality or 
culture, the elite group, where they're holy and you can't talk to them and you can't do this and that. And, and they're basically holy between themselves and God. No, that's not how it is with the living God, the true God, the only God. Holiness from the living God, from His Word, as we see here, involves genuine love and concern for other people, even strangers. Is this not the truth? True religion? Is this not the living God? What a heart of love. No wonder. This same God sent His Son to die on the cross to pay for my violations of His holy law. And I get pardoned freely on my part, freely received on his part, the most expensive payment, his own blood was shed. We see within the law itself, within the Old Testament itself, how God is so majestic and beautiful and loving and holy. And he wants his people to be just like that because he's come to live with them. And the more one really knows God, not just say, well, I know the Lord for 35 years, or I've been serving God. You know, I've been walking with God for 40 years. If that's true, then you should be walking like God. As is written in the New Testament, if anyone claims to walk with God, they must be walking in the light as he's in the light. No darkness in the life. Which means life of love, forgiveness, a life of seeking to protect people, help them, live honorably before the Lord, seek to please Him before pleasing anybody else. Maintain the purity and a standard. Allow conviction from the Holy Spirit to come and say, you know what, that joke you made, it might have been very hilarious, you got a lot of claps, but I'm telling you, it's wrong. To not shut that voice off because of popularity and everybody loves it, isn't, the, isn't that the way it goes? Show business? Give the people what they came for. And if they love you, they may come back. So keep the show going. That kind of show will end up in hell. Both the performer and the audience. But a child of God, who has the light revealed, God will say, you know, you said the right thing to that person. But what you thought in your heart when you said it is not right before me. You need to fix that. That's what you call a person who is walking the light. Because not only will they be open to the correction from the Holy Spirit, the standard is far above what people can see and what they can pass off as religious, but they will actually correct it and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. Nobody knows about it. But you've convicted me that I didn't really do this from the heart. As I mentioned some time ago, even in making a sandwich for somebody else, if we don't make that sandwich, it may be your spouse, your child, anyone else. If you don't do it the way you would do it for yourself, with that kind of care, God says you're phony. No matter how religious or holy you may think you are, 
in other areas, so-called. You don't love your neighbor. It's a life of servanthood, love along with the holiness. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for showing us, Lord, that the kind of holiness that you require goes right to the very fabric of our beings and the very heart of hearts. That's where it must come out from. Lord, I thank you that we see the revelation of your love. You protect your children, Lord. You tell us what pagan practices will destroy us and our families, will take us to hell. You tell us clearly, very emphatically, the clear expectations you have to protect us because you love us. I thank you for showing us the, once again, the exceeding sinfulness of sin in our society and culture. Uh, If we are to be your people and walk with you, we have to be extremely different from that. Polar opposite. Thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness. Father, continue to guide us as we read your word. Continue to transform, O God. Continue to give us the fear of God that will drive us to be genuinely holy, full of your love. We love you and praise you. Be with each one of your people today, Lord. Bless your people, Father. Go with us throughout this day. Those who are living in another time zone as they retire for the night, Lord, be with them. Bless them, Lord. Give them dreams and visions of Jesus. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.